0: Hey everyone, it's Tom Kratza. and uh, I'm not sure you know about this or it's something that you would even really track but one of our biggest mentors, one of the people who've had the most influence in our lives, definitely in the area of business and marketing in that area has been a gentleman by the name an American guy by uh, the name of Dan S. Kennedy and in August, uh, late August there, we found out he went into hospice care and uh, he sent out... uh, a note um just explaining that i guess the end is near for him and uh definitely took us by surprise uh, he's 64 years old and uh we didn't see this coming i'm sure he didn't see this coming and uh we put together an episode just to honor him um really the impact that he's had on my life and nick's life and helping And guiding us through the creation of Rockstar Uh, we used him as a bit of a sounding board we were in multiple mastermind groups that where he was the leader of the mastermind group and we would travel down to the states and he would have you know 12 15 kind of different business owners all together and we would go through things together Um, just a huge impact Um, On us and i'm not even really sure that without him if we would be able to pull all this stuff off That's the kind of impact that he's had um, On the business side of things Um, So we just really wanted to record an episode in his honor um, share some of the lessons we learned from him. He really changed our thinking and our mindset around s- everything to do with sales, marketing, advertising, business building, our own mindset around money and creating wealth for our families. And the impact that he'll have on our families will last. Will definitely last generations. So uh, yeah, we just wanted to share his name with you. Um, At this point in the introduction, I usually share something that we have going on, or URL that you can go to to download something. But I think for this episode, if you've never heard of him and you're interested in marketing or business building or entrepreneurship at all, this guy is the real deal. Um, I would head over to Amazon, Amazon amazon.ca, punch in Dan S., kennedy and pick out almost any of the books that he's written um one of the more general ones that had a big impact on us as well was uh time his no bs time management book um really cut through the crap on some of the things that we were trying to do around managing our own time and really really helped us but all his books on on uh you know building wealth and using direct response marketing and stuff have have just a i can't even explain how kind of impact they've had on on both of us so i would head over there check him out uh And, uh, I don't really know what else to say where we took this, uh, we, we took the, did this episode in his honor. And, uh, I guess with that, we'll just get on with the show.
1: Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the, your life, your term show with Tom and Nick Caradza. Are you ready? Let's go.
0: Hey, Nick, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. We were just talking about paper routes and you might get you might get Ella, your daughter, a paper route.
1: Well, we'll see. I reached out. So we'll see if it's possible because I, I, I saw the people um, who were delivering the newspapers and I told them, like hey, if you ever don't want this route, let me know because I have two kids and it's time to put them to work. So, uh, so anyways, they told me that their uh, the girls are now going to university or high school. I forget one or one or the other, and they might not be doing it anymore. I feel
0: like your daughter's a little on the young side for a paper route.
1: No, she's, how old is she now? She'll be nine. Yeah. Yeah, 9. I don't know. I guess
0: that's right. Yeah. I don't know. No, I was no, no, right, 13 I was working construction.
1: I tell her that <laughs> I'm like all you do is you leave it's it, if we get this one it's literally our street. So you just walk outside, walk up one street to the stop sign, cross the street, back down the other side and like it's just one circle. Like it's it's not a big thing, but it would be nice to be to, you know, for her just the responsibility. I just wanted to tell away kind of,
0: I was telling, uh, we went go karting yesterday, Centennial Park, there in Etobicoke, Sienna. My daughter's fallen in love with go karting for some reason. And so we go there yesterday. On the way back, we drive by that hotel, that little two story thing that uh, was the first construction yeah. site I was it ever. It used to
1: be. Dodge sweet Dodge Sweet. that's what, what it was, yeah. yeah. It's
0: called some other thing by Marriott, it says. But anyway, I'll never forget the day, like, our father said, okay, I'm going to start working. First, I was working at a convenience store for $3.50 an hour. He said, you're not working there anymore. You're now, I need you on construction. He took me, he bought a broom, and then he took me to the job site, and he dropped me off with, I think I had a little bit of a lunch. He uh, showed me where the wheelbarrow was, and uh, he just pointed to me at, like, at the super. And said, You just pick up all the garbage here and you take it to that dump box. And he left. And that's all I did. And the coffee truck came. I think I went, I sat by myself by the dump box every day. I went and got a little snack at the coffee truck, those crappy donuts, those two package crullers yeah, that were yeah. like, Those were tasty. They were though. tasty. Holy cow. And I ate those things and I sat by the dump. I had my lunch. I sat in the shade of the dump box by myself because it was all like old Croatian men. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was 13 and I just, I worked there all summer. I don't know what I was even paid. I don't even know if I was paid. I might have worked for free. (laughs) I don't think so. But that was 13. But anyway, um, the reason I wanted you to talk about the paper route there for a second, I I don't know if I ever told you this, and we're going to get to the Dan Kennedy's topic that we we wanted to discuss here in one second. But the paper route, um, I don't know if you know this. I was delivering the Mississauga News. The guy before me lost the paper route because they found he was just going to the sewer and throwing all the papers down the sewer every week so they you know i do remember that they somehow pulled yeah they pulled that, the yeah. paper route from him i ended up somehow getting this miss newspaper news paper route and the way miss news worked is that like half the deliver half your route was basically free Half of the people paid and they got the Wednesday Miss News every Wednesday and then the Friday and whatever else there was. But uh, they got the big Wednesday edition every week because they paid for it. I remember that. But one. then the other half of the route, you were supposed to randomly choose who got it and who didn't get it because they weren't paying for it. So they got it some weeks. They weren't supposed to get it other weeks. It was kind of confusing.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like a sales process. It was As, like a teaser. That was
0: their sales process, yeah. And then I had to go collect... Um, money from the people who were paying I went for with. It.
1: You, I went with you sometimes, like, I remember yeah, this. And, and I, was, I remember one of the houses on our street that was always a pain in the butt to collect from too.
0: Okay, yeah. so this lady, and I'm pretty sure it must be this person because I was always petrified anyway to collect money. I was scared. And uh, I don't know, just asking for money was scary. And I went to this lady, and for whatever reason, for a, a couple weeks or months, she, I could never get her. I think I probably didn't go that often. I probably went once every two weeks. And then she was behind like, I think, three months. And that might have been a total of like eight dollars for the message. So it was like some small amount of money. But I went to her and she just lost it on me. She like freak now you get out of here you haven't been here in three months i'm not gonna pay you for this and i remember going home i guess i was upset or something and it wasn't our dad who helped me out it was our mom she came kind of storming out to support me and we went back to the house and she made me go back to the house knock on that door and ask for the money again with her standing behind oh i don't me. remember that yeah really yeah and i was petrified and i guess the lady when she saw her mom there she ended up paying but she still gave me the evil eye and hated my guts and i don't think i ever delivered a paper again to her house <laughs> <laughs> but anyway that's my and yeah, I hated good, delivery.
1: For, good for mom though she made you go do it you know what I mean you know
0: what that's how I remember it maybe that's how I want to remember it like maybe she went and collected yeah, the money yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm pretty sure I had to go face my fears and collect the money I and remember
1: when we were doing the Toronto Sun it was your paper route but the, the Mississauga news oh, wasn't paying man. as much with the Toronto Sun we were in those apartment buildings in those apartment buildings and then one of us would hold the door the other would run around and drop it in front of the, the thing yeah, so yeah. Right? you mean the elevator the, sorry we, we would, would hold, hold the, the, elevator, the elevator yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah and you were supposed to use the last bands and like tie the paper to the door handle really oh were weird. you yeah i yeah, don't remember yeah, yeah. Any of that stuff yeah yeah that was crazy we would do the whole apartment building pretty quick yeah, oh yeah that, that was crazy yeah yeah oh man anyway okay so um we wanted to talk about dan kennedy at this point in time, the time you're listening to this, we believe he's in hospice care. He did send out a note, uh, Nick, and it basically said something like, "Hey, he's you know had a, a combination of infections and heart issues. He's been a diabetic for years, and he is now approaching the end." And it's kind of made us really reflect on the impact that he has you know, when I say the end, I mean the end of his life. And uh, he has had such an enormous impact on our lives. We wanted to take this time just to reflect as a little bit of our own little tribute to him and, uh, you know, just share some of the things that we learned from him and share with his his name with you if you haven't heard of Dan S. Kennedy. And uh, I'll start by saying In the early 2000s, I thought I was gonna make millions with websites um, selling products online and living on a beach. And I kept running into these internet guys who would say, hey, you can live on a beach and make millions, and you know, they had all, that that was the era of the internet where it was just like, everybody had a one-page kind of like sales pitch website and you would buy product off it or buy whatever they were selling, some secret to millions seminar or something. And uh, they all kept mentioning this guy, like that they had learned a lot from this guy, Dan Kennedy. And I remember one of the best guys that I liked because he seemed like he had a lot of integrity was Yannick Silver. And Yannick Silver mentioned this guy, Dan Kennedy, as well. So I'm like, that's it, i got to figure out who this Dan Kennedy guy is, and I ended up Googling his name up, and all he had was like a one-page website with a white background and plain like text on it that said, he, it was a picture of like a grumpy old man even then, and it was like, I'm Dan Kennedy, I have a monthly paper-based newsletter, none of this internet garbage. If you send a bank draft to this address, I'll, I might send you my newsletter basically said something like that. So then I was sold. So I went and got a bank draft, and I sent a year's worth, I think, of a fee to get his monthly newsletter. And this monthly black-and-white newsletter starts arriving in my inbox, and it changed our life, Like, it changed both our lives. Oh, uh,
1: pure gold, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It was,
0: it, he was, like, just this guy that just spoke, like, the business truth that we needed to hear.
1: Yeah, it's just. I think it was just the combination of experience and... Um, Knowledge from being involved with a variety of different industries and companies and stuff like that, it just gives you, I think, perspective on a number of things because you were able to see so many different things. You know what I mean? So I think it, it was helpful because it was stuff that we didn't really have access to. So it was a lot different than like what you would read in a book which was just pure theoretical stuff. And I think that was a different place for me.
0: And I remember him saying how he was involved with the uh, Guthy Renker guys before they sold their company for billions or whatever. Yeah. Because they were involved in Tony Robbins' yep. uh, infomercial. And he was brought in as a consultant to help write some of the copy that uh, was the used. Early, in, the early personal the, power. The very early one. Yeah. Like I'm talking early 90s Yeah, stuff. he was
1: involved in making Tony who he was. That, yeah. that was like, the what was it? The most run or the longest running info product info yeah i think for several
0: years i mean don't quote us on this but i'm pretty sure this is accurate that for several years tony robbins infomercial was running 24 hours a day somewhere in the world yeah for years so yeah. like he, so that's
1: how he built his name. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, yeah. And then he they were involved also with Guthy Renker. I think he helped them with uh, the proactive stuff. He involved he helped them figure out that they should get celebrities in there and to help how celebrities would help sell the product yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So that was just one of the things. And then he was involved in just so many other businesses and a consultant in some way, shape, or form that he had all this real world experience on actually building businesses. And he would explain to you how businesses make their money and behind the scenes how it worked. Whereas up until that point, my real business on the streets experience was just sales. Like, here's how to negotiate, here's how to make sales presentations. I had never got like the behind the scenes of, hey, here's how it works to get a customer, here's the costs and time involved, and someone to break it down like that.
1: Yeah, it was all very, to, uh, at least to me, it was all very real.
0: It was There was a lack of bullshit wasn't Yeah, it wasn't some Harvard business stuff. review yeah, yeah, yeah. Theor, theoretical bullshit that I had been exposed to my whole life yeah. and all the books that I read that were just theory and like you would put down the bu- the business book and you're like, what did I even learn from that? Like, yeah. oh, what can I apply? Yeah, that yeah, was no, really good. So we wanted- still is,
1: I mean, it still is even when even when at one point, you know, the, the company that ran the newsletter got built, bought out by venture capitalists and they kind of ruined the newsletter. But they had to leave the Dan bit in the middle because people started just freaking out. So they had like, remember the Dan bit in the middle, which was just like the old school newsletter. That's basically all I read. The rest of it just was like I just kind of skipped through it, you know, so it's still to this to the last issue was still was something we read religiously. We have read every single newsletter for for what twelve more? I guess like what yeah. fifteen uh, years uh, or so. Probably about fifteen years. Yeah. So yeah. E- like it was, it's like every single one.
0: Yeah. And I think um, I think Nick, I just wanted to run down some principles to share some of the things that we learned from Dan. To maybe, if you're listening to this, thinking about getting into business for yourself or extending your own business and growing it, some of the biggest principles that really helped us kind of launch Rockstar and really helped us quit our jobs and go on our own. I mean, he was a driving force. He was. Let's face it, he has had a major influence in the, in our own development of Rockstar. It's a lot of his theories or not theories, I hate saying that, but like his ideas that we took and put into place. Yeah. So, uh, okay. One of the, one of the first ones that I, that really kind of hit home with me is this whole concept of direct response marketing. He taught me that you could attract instead of chase. I always thought You know, for my Oracle sales days, it was always like you you chase people like you you pound the phones and you make calls and you're like, hey, man, you want to buy this stuff? We got the new Oracle database coming out. You want to buy this or you want to upgrade or you want to buy more or how many servers you got? I'm going to, you know, sell you some CPU licenses or whatever it was. That was my and that was a great experience. That was a great sales experience. But I I didn't think that I was going to be able to take those skills and start a business like that. Just like cold calling people. I didn't like that. I don't I don't think you like cold calling either. And Dan taught us this idea of direct response marketing, and I still find people don't get the real intent of this, but direct response marketing is that when you are running an advertisement in some way, shape, or form somewhere, and you're asking for a direct response from your customer to raise their hand and self-identify themselves as interested in what you are saying and selling. And that to me just kinda like, that whole concept blew me away. I didn't know you could go from like this annoying, I think Dan always used to say like the annoying pest, to the welcome guest like i didn't know in a sales process you could go from one to the other and he taught us that with direct response marketing you could do that and he broke it down in like the most simple way that i don't know why this has always resonated with me and he, he nick you remember that media uh, market message kind of yep. triangle he has this awesome little triangle where he explains like pick the market that you want to sell into what is your market identify who you are selling and then Identify what the message is that you think would resonate with people in your market for what you're selling. Once you have the message, what you think would interest people, all you have to do is take that message and put it in different media where those customers have their attention. And that's the key to direct response marketing, you know, decide the market what's the message and then put your message in different media and it's the he calls it like the media message to market message i'm screwing it up market message media but that triangle really was like an aha as simple as that sounds that was like an aha moment to me i'm like oh my god i never realized that and i can tell you now for fact that if you get the right message delivered to the right market One good message, so one good, like, advertisement is the way most people would talk about it, but one good message could be worth millions of dollars in gross revenues to you. Tens of millions in gross revenues to you. We know that for a fact, right? So that whole concept of direct response marketing just blew me away. That you could start from nothing, get people to identify by raising their hands that they're interested, and then work them into being a willing customer of your business. Yeah. That's I, all I have I, to say I, on that subject. no much. <laughs> you, you
1: started, to, you went into school teacher mode and I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the, the, there was a... It stop. just
1: takes a long time to get to that point. You know what I mean? Like it's tough sometimes. Like you got to, you're speaking, like the first time you read that, you didn't get that. So the one thing no. you're not, you know, that you got to take into account is after years of doing this and looking back, it's, it's also clear you know, totally. So like it gets, it's tough, but yeah, that the, the concept is that because then you're able to spend your time speaking to people that want to hear from you. Otherwise, like in Oracle, you're, you know, if you're making 50 calls a day, 49 of the people don't want to hear from you and they're like, you know, it's like the person you're trying to collect money off of from the newspaper. Um, the lady trying to, you yeah, know, I to was the, the annoying newspaper. pest to her. Yeah. I was not the welcome right? guest. But some people are like, oh yeah, I love this paper. Here you go. And it's few and far between, but that's, that's it. Cause then you're able to have real conversations with people and try to build relationships
0: yeah and I never i I could never understand that whole concept and I never understood I always remember reading something that he taught me a lot about as well he, uh this concept of a sales letter like I remember reading about it for years like oh one sales letter can change a business person's life there's like a sales letter like there's this concept or this idea and now I finally understand it it's like If you have a good message where you share what you're selling to people in a way that interests them and benefits them, and then you share a whole bunch of benefits of how you work with people and you do that in written format, that's what a sales letter is. And if it's done the right way, it can be worth millions of dollars. And I know if you're listening to this for the first time, you're never going to really be able to put that into practice. But if you've... If you hear this concept of a sales letter, it's definitely worth something studying. And a lot of his books talk about this topic and share exactly, he actually has a book. um, I forget the exact title of this particular one because he's got like 15 or 16 books, but it's all about how to create a, a good sales letter and he walks you exactly through it. It is, it can change your life. I, I'll never forget when Rob Minton said, um, someone else we crossed paths, who was a mentor for us for for a few years there, who said that he believed a good sales letter could be worth millions of, like one single sales letter could be worth millions of dollars, and nothing, um, nothing has more powerful than a good sales letter. He also said, he always, quote, uh, he, Rob always used to quote Gary uh, Halbert as well, who was like a mentor to Dan Kennedy, and he was a sales letter god. And if you Google up the name Gary Halbert right now, H-A-L-B-E-R-T, Gary Halbert, um, you'll find a series of his old sales letters that worked like magic. A lot of top marketers around the world still reference his work. Um, and his family, I believe, has kept all that stuff online now for years. So if you if you hear the concept of a sales letter, that comes from these marketing guys. definitely something worth studying and worth learning more about. So, yeah, especially
1: in today's world where everyone's so you know segmented by going to different websites and stuck to their phones and computers and hopping around if you can put a written uh, an interesting written piece in front of someone like it, it, it you know you have their attention people will sit down and, and a lot of people don't think people sit down and read but i mean people still value the written word probably more than anything else and the, the, an example i used with with uh, with someone the other day i'm like look when you when you hear about a book now i know a book's not a sales letter but
0: small it, you know, small a book, a book small books
1: be. or reports sent to you can you know can can be so when you hear you know if you hold a book in your hand or someone tells you about a book, there's automatically an associated value with it, right? Whatever whatever you choose that to, that to be right? it's 15, 20, 25 bucks, 50, whatever it is. You just automatically associate value to that. When someone tells you about a YouTube video, the value you associate to the YouTube video is automatically zero. right? So people there's just this inherent value to the written word if structured correctly too and if it catches the interest of people, it's it's you, it, it allows you to build a relationship in a, in a different different way for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think something else that he really taught us is that when everyone else is running around talking about Instagram posts and YouTube videos and stuff, that's just media in the business world and the principles don't change. So if you understand the fundamentals, if you spend some time researching this concept of a sales letter that you're hearing right now, if you spend some time understanding the principles behind crafting a good sales letter, those principles can be applied to Instagram, to YouTube, to podcasting, to everything that you do. You know, that's something Dan really drove into our heads that like there are principles behind good business and there are principles behind good marketing. Whereas I I feel like a lot of people jump into business with tactics. They think they're going to grow their business by using Instagram, but they have no strategy behind what they're doing. And he really drove that into our mind, I think really well that those are just media platforms. Those come and go, because he used the example of like, hey, man, before Instagram and Facebook, there were one eight, one nine hundred numbers that used to pay for. Yeah. Was it 1,900? Yeah. I think I remember those things. Um, and the people used to pay by the minute to listen and get information. You know what? I think I paid to listen to one on like gambling and it would like, you would call it and it would I tell be I thought you, you were going to
1: say it was some porn
0: one or something. No, no, no. It was like a gambling one. I there think was this,
1: remember the Psychic Hotline? Those yeah, yeah, commercials that kind of stuff, for the that Psychic kind of Hotline yeah. online.
0: That, the, was, that was like the instant. That was essentially like an Instagram of like 1991 yeah, or those,
1: something. Yeah, those uh, late night TV, those. Uh, those um, Psychic Hotline uh, commercials were on all the time. So, but uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like it's it's, all these internet marketing, people talking about internet marketing, Facebook marketing, it's direct response marketing just on, on different uh, media. Yeah, like, you know, so so there is nothing different. Uh, like, I
0: remember, you. I remember reading a newspaper ad that had a really good headline, which is part of a sales letter process or, or direct response marketing. The headline then ended with like a phone number for you to call. And this one that I called was about like, who was going to win uh, the Major League Baseball games? Like, I didn't even gamble. Yeah. But yeah. all my friends were gambling and I'm like, well, I need an advantage if I'm going to start gambling. And I bet on one San Diego's Padre game. I don't, I don't know if I ever told no, you this. And, so. and you know, this it's not our current accountant but you know the accountant i'm talking about i don't want to mention his name right here but uh he and another friend of mine a longtime friend of mine it was al just so you know it was al (laughs) al and him used to gamble and on the on baseball and when they heard that i had called some bookie and placed some bet uh they immediately did the same bet because they were like if tom's betting then something's going on and we won <laughs> and I never bet again <laughs> that, was it? that was it that was my only bet how much did you bet that was a small amount I think I bet I think I bet $100 <laughs> which actually at the time was a huge bet for yeah, me yeah yeah but uh, maybe it was 50, $50 100 something like that but uh, yeah that those 900 numbers, 900 numbers are just like the media of the early 90s oh my gosh just like yeah. Instagram is now and so that's something we learned a lot from from Dan, yeah. Dan Kennedy
1: the one thing one, one of the things that really stuck out uh, to me that I was thinking about the other day was um You don't. So so from Dan was you don't make a sale to uh, sorry, you don't get a customer to make a sale. You make a sale to get a
0: customer. Can can you explain that? Because always when I hear that, I'm like somewhat confused. I'm like, let me I got to think this through first. Yeah.
1: And and, and why? You know, I I think in my youth it was always just about money. Right. It was always like, well, if I do this, I'm going to get this much money. So that's making the sale. Right. So you find someone, you sell them something, you make some money. But his point was like, no, like you, you—that's your initial transaction. But where the real value is in a business is to grow that relationship. And that initial transaction is how you've, you, you know, you've made a sale. Now you've gotten a customer, and now it's to nurture and respect and and you know treat that customer properly so that you can re- make multiple sales to that customer and build a long-lasting relationship with them. Uh, no different than the local bakery or butcher or whatever that you know. Uh, I still go to the butcher close to my, our parents' house that we we grew up with. I mean, that guy, they, they he goes out of his way, treats us very well, and you know I've been back there, so I drive from Oakville to Mississa- to the east side of Mississauga to to go to this butcher all the time. Um, so I think that's what it is, and then and then what it also allows you to do is it allows you to you know beat your competition because you're you're able to generate more revenue per customer than your competition so you're not always focused on just trying to like extract every dollar from them because you're getting more income from them you're able to treat them better and spend more time with them and that type of stuff right because realistically like look if you have a a business and it's built on 50 customers but they're all spending a million dollars with you every year well then that's great. You know what I mean? As opposed to having to have, you know, 50 million customers spending a dollar with you every year. You know, which one would you rather be? And, you know, having to go replenish those 50 million customers. Yeah, or the effort to constantly
0: get new customers. Yeah. The cost to, uh, to acquire new customers, both in your time, labor, just flat out dollars spent, it's it's expensive.
1: Yeah, there are different studies. I forget all the numbers, but I mean, that say, you know, how much easier or cheaper it is to keep a customer rather than go find a new one, right? Which is, which is, which is true. Cause like, think of, you know, any place that you visit more than like once, you know, if you have a good experience with something, you're likely to go back. Well, look at you in restaurants, right? If you have a good restaurant, because you never know the next one you're going to go to if you get a crappy meal. So you'll go out of your way to go to that restaurant again. So it's much easier for them to keep you happy as a, as a kind of repeat customer than to go find someone new and convince them that they're a good place to go eat.
0: Did I tell you I ate the Delano again in Miami? Did I tell you I went there? Yeah, you did with all yeah, the ste- Well, because they cook that steak on oh, the, that, that outdoor, Argentine- yeah, Argentine- on that yeah, yeah, outdoor yeah. coal grill, yeah, coal-fired yeah. grill. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it was it's really good. good, man. Oh, such a good meal. Uh, <laughs> you I get the smi- meat, the meat just, sweats I had a pound. I that. had a pound of meat, yeah. But uh, anyway, so uh, that whole concept, yeah, j- you make a sale to get a customer, you don't, get a customer to make the sale. So it's like not about the money. You are trying to make a sale to earn a customer and it's develop all about the, relationship, the relationship. The long-term so relationship. Taught, yeah, and that's what it's, so it's But with me. any business, you and you believe that can happen with any business, because I think a lot of people would dismiss such a comment and say, well, Nick, yeah, sounds good, but not in my business because, you know, I'm all about transactions. And- yeah. No,
1: I'm, I mean, I'm done trying to convince people. So no, I can't if you don't think it can be done in your business you're right, you
0: can't do it. Yeah, so even somebody sm- uh, <laughs> so, selling something transactional at a small cost. Yeah, at
1: everything, everything because then there's always something else because if you're selling something transactional at a small cost, well what else are they gonna- like I just bought a um a charging station for my uh for my house because we bought that one for for Croatia that we brought, right? So I bought another one for my house and I needed extra small cables for it. So I'm like I reached out to them because they send you this customer service email. I'm like, "Hey, I need extra small cables. I want them to I can find white ones, I want black ones, some extra charging stations. I'm like, oh, we don't sell them. So like I'm a perfect example in that case, they can sell me more stuff. So you can always sell more stuff to, to a customer that likes and values your product. So you can
0: always, there's always more, they're always looking for the next thing. He also taught us the concept that about 20% of all your customers will buy more from you just because they like you, mm-hmm. right? So like there, if 20% of your customers are going to buy more or, Higher, more expensive product from you just because they kind of like you and I both of us are like that with different brands and different companies if you really like them sometimes you're just going to spend money with them because you kind of like the company and I find that um, that's really helped us a lot and, and and I think a lot of small businesses miss the opportunity to have higher priced options in their business because they only have one option. Whereas if they just had a second option, a higher priced option, they'd be surprised that 10, 15, 20% of their customers are going to take that option. And the margin on that, the profitability of that higher purchase can be so great. It can really make make or break their business. Oh yeah, totally. It can make the business survive, right? So it's something always when I look at small businesses, I'm like, hey, man, why don't you have like a higher priced option for Mm -hmm. some of your customers? Yeah, the key, uh, the key is just it's about the long term relationship. And I think when I was
1: in in my youth, I, I just didn't really understand that. It was more focused on the yeah, short Yeah, make the term. money and take off. Yeah, it was definitely more like, you know, look, if I get this, I'm going to get this. You know, if I do this, I'm going to get this much money. Whereas now it's like, you know, it's it's about building these relationships because they just, um, not just financially, they're just in life. It's just a series of relationships. And I'd rather have some good, solid ones than just fleeting ones. And, he- and, and, and that's that was kind of where that lesson all started for me.
0: Dan has this book called uh, No BS Time Management for Entrepreneurs that really changed. It was the direct opposite of every time management or even management principle book I had ever read because I read that when I first became like a middle manager at NetSuite. And I think at the time I was being given books or I was reading books that said, you know, you have to always have an open door policy and you always have to make time for people and, you know, you have to. Do you know you just have to basically give up your control of your calendar when you're in certain roles? And he said that's basically bullshit. When you need to get stuff done, even if you are a middle manager, you have to close your door, have no interruptions, and have times of the day that you're doing real focused work. And that really, that just whole concept of you know saying no to interruptions, closing your door, and getting work done. I, that sounds so ridiculously simple right now that like it's embarrassing to admit. That freaking changed my time management life because I was just exposing myself, not even in middle management, in life to being interrupted at all times via email, cell phone. I had no, no you know, no interruption zones going on in my life. And as soon as I implemented that, I got so yeah. much
1: done. Well, how many incoming calls have you taken? Unscheduled incoming calls have you taken in the last six months?
0: Yeah, maybe zero outside of the yeah, ones yeah, from maybe fam- maybe from zero fam- it's no, between zero and five but
1: you know what though man that's that's huge and and basically it, you know it was dan who i think you know gave us both from not i don't mean formally gave us permission but i but think kind of sort of did yeah, yeah watching the way that he worked and some of his belief systems we felt that we're like wow we can actually do that um and now especially in real estate like in real estate you know we do that right because someone was I Forget it was some sales rep for something. He's like, Oh, well, we'll schedule something. I'm like, No, like, you can't get a hold of me. Like, I don't take incoming calls. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, he was just like almost offended. I'm like, Look, well, like, I just don't even talk to you, <laughs> you know. But, but like, I, I didn't mean I didn't,
0: <laughs> I don't take calls and I don't, t- no, no, I don't want to talk to I you.
1: I didn't, I didn't not want to talk to him at first, but his reaction to the fact that I didn't take unscheduled yeah, incoming made calls made you realize, you're made not me gonna like, be I just don't want to deal with fit. this guy, it. right? Yeah, so, um. But it, it it's been huge, like it, like you said, it allows you to buckle down and focus on what you need to. And I think, you know, my personal opinion is that it would be more, more people should try this out because so many people think they can't do it for whatever reason. Holy shit, man! Not everything's an urgent matter. You know what I mean? Things can wait a couple hours. Book a few hours for yourself and give yourself some time to work, and then go deal with all the reactive crap you gotta deal with. And but but it's I, I just. I don't know I think it's over the top How addicted we are To react you know, It's a sad state of affairs That every time You hear a beep Or something If you're in a group That everyone reaches For their phone To see if it's theirs Like it's crazy That we're just so addicted To the sounds Coming out of these
0: Stupid little machines The phones have gotten good You know man. what I mean They're so addictive you're Just right.
1: block Just block them out And do what you well, need look, to do Well
0: look He ran a multi-million dollar business You had to fax the guy the years two thousand and nineteen. Even today, yeah. to get in touch with him, there's no email. You had to fax the guy. Or if you wanted to send him something. You, you, you sent yeah. it to well, you and you sent it to his assistant. He lived in Ohio. Yeah. You sent it to his assistant in Arizona. in Arizona who screened all the material, summarized it for him, put it in a box and once a week FedExed what you FedExed yeah. in that FedEx box up to him in Ohio. You gotta admit, that's awesome. <laughs> That awesome. That's awesome. That's just basic, There is
1: something to be said for that.
0: Yeah, that's just the basically the middle finger of I'm going to live my life the way I want to. Yeah. And we went to his house and we went in his basement. His whole basement is set up as one awesome, pretty. He has a boardroom down there yeah. and an office with tables, with stacks, with different projects and paperwork on there. And you can tell he's organized. He's working at the pace he wants to work at. But most importantly, he has focused time, right? So like he can he can focus on what he's doing. Remember those stacks? He had little projects of like marketing projects that were stacks with little notes on. Oh them, yeah, all in different piles across uh, across the boardroom. He's he, he he was. I mean, I don't know his ins and outs of
1: his you know his days, but for the amount of stuff that he outputted, he definitely seemed like they didn't lack work ethic. Just the from amount. What I could of, tell.
0: Totally, and and I think. If you're listening to this and you're like, well, I just never could carve out time, just so you know, when we had to start carving out time that were no interruptions for us to work on the business before we quit our jobs, the only time we could find was like 5 to 7.30 in the morning kind of thing. Still is. Still, no, it still is. This
1: week, the last two, was it yesterday and today? Yesterday and the day before, I was up at 5.30 um, working. I I started work at home, right, from 5.30 to whatever time before I went to the gym till 8 because I had stuff done. Kids are off, so it's harder at home, right, with the kids off. So I'm like, I need to get up before everyone's getting up. So that was the co- time I carved out for myself. Then I ended up going to the gym and then I came into the office a little bit later. But that was my, that was the the kind of quiet time that I needed. So it still is if sometimes when we
0: need it. And I think for years we, and we still do this, is that in the morning we have, we have the one or two items that have to be done that day that are the proactive items, not the reactive items. And if we get those done, we both feel happier about the day versus just waking up and tackling your cell phone or whatever email staring at you in the face. Like that's just a horror day. Um, the next topic I wanted to, to, to share is this concept blew me away when I first heard it was when he broke down the idea that every day you should be working on now income and future income. Mm-hmm. That kind of blew me away. So just to explain this concept, he said that basically Dan always used to say that most people are always just working on now income. So they're just working on today what's going to make them money today. So if they're in business, they're just trying to chase the customer and get that next sale. You know, or whatever it is that you're doing, you're just working on what you're going to make. If you're in your career, you're just working on your job, what is going to make you money for your next paycheck today. But he said every single day, you have to work on something that's making you money today and making you some money tomorrow. That's your future income. And if you do that every day, you are essentially banking almost guaranteed income for you in the future. And I remember thinking that like, wow, that's going to be tough. Like, Nick, when we started this business, we were writing in the, we were doing stuff in the morning um, because we had like monthly newsletters to produce for rockstar members. Then we were going to go out and show properties and write offers and do everything. Everything was kind of like now, now, now. But what really changed things for us is when we stepped and set aside time to like build websites full of content that weren't anything to do with making money for us today, but would earn us customers in the future. And I remember thinking like, I remember complaining to myself one morning, I was getting up at like five to do that kind of work. So it wasn't making me money today. And I was just focusing on creating some content for a new website we were building. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm exhausted, why am I doing this? And then I was thinking of our mom and our dad like, Our father used to get up at like 5 in the morning and go put up drywall sheets in the freezing cold in the middle of winter in Canada in subdivisions and houses that had no walls with wind blowing through them or on condominiums with wind blowing through them. And, you know, your fingers are freezing. I was on some of those job sites with him. And it's, it's horrible hard work. And here I am in a warm basement. My basement wasn't finished at that time. I just had a light bulb above me with a little pull chain, but I was in a warm basement. I was comfortable. I had access to food and water and beautiful washroom, not some kind of Johnny on the spot kind of construction toilet. Who am I to complain right now? You know, and I I, rec- I need sadly, I needed that perspective to make me feel okay with what I was doing at those hours. But it was Dan Kenny who made me understand that every single day you should work on something that's making you money today. And some project of some sort that is going to make you money in the future.
1: You got to think that that at least from what we know of what his output was and what he was doing, his discipline to get stuff done was 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 like it, borderline OCD. Yeah, yeah, it was serious, man. Like because it, it does take a lot of discipline to be able to do that, you know, and uh, and and to see that. But his, his, his discipline for, for, for that, those types of things was, you know, he was on it. Just think how many deadlines on When you see the basis. fruits
0: of the labor, though, like when you see people um, come into Rockstar here who said, hey, man, I've been, I've been reading your email. We just had that last week. Someone said to us, I've been reading your emails for six years, and I finally decided to come in and work with you guys. When you hear or see something like that, that, that kind of reinforces the belief That it's valuable to do work today that you might not see the fruits of that labor until tomorrow. And it took us probably three or four years of doing future income type work to see that. But when you get that reinforcement, then you realize how valuable it is.
1: Well, we've seen a lot of different, like there's a lot of people, a lot of different businesses that are kind of, you know, have public profile. Like there's a lot of different marketing businesses around and conferences and things that have all been built off all these same principles from Dan, because these guys all kind of like, You know, we've we met them all early on at these the conferences we went to that were hosted at Dan or or with Dan with Bill were were hosting, and you know off the same principles. There's been multiple you know very successful, not multiple. There's been hundreds and hundreds of very successful businesses that have been built on these principles. And to be fair, a lot of these things like. Dan was very open about so the time management and stuff might be his and other people probably other people definitely do the same thing and same with his marketing principles he was very open about the fact that he these aren't like his he's like I don't under he was saying I don't understand why people don't go back and research the history of the industry that that they're in to see what was working because there's these long time principles that are working so it's not like he made any of this stuff up and he was quite open about it but it's just this is who taught it to us this is who we learned it from. And, the, you know, a lot of things were just the way he said it, like you said, like his, you know, the message to market match triangle that he used, like just the way he kind of structured things were like hmm, it, it just really kind of resonated with us as well. So different things for, for different people. But ju- just to be clear, in case anyone's listening saying, well, you know, this stuff's been around forever. Yeah. But uh, but this is uh, he's got through to an awful lot of people uh, that
0: we know that have really kind of implemented these in a, in a big way for sure. And if you take something that's worked in an industry from the 1980s, you can put it on like, like you can take an ad that worked in the 1980s and take the same verbiage and same ad and put it on Instagram today and it's likely going to work. Yeah. You know, like that's the beauty of studying the history of an industry. And there's a lot of gems in advertising that have been lost that people aren't even using. Right, everyone's just kind of copying each other. He also had that term, marketing incest, yeah. where everyone in an industry copies each other, and usually none of it's working. But everyone just keeps copying for approval of their peers in that work network. We get a lot of that when we talk to businesses who are in any sort of medical profession, chiropractors, physiotherapists, any of that profession. because oh, those regulatory bodies
1: yeah. just destroy any creativity these guys can do. They can still do it, but I mean, they they, they clamp down so much. It's, it's a little bit ridiculous, and they're actually. nervous
0: how their peers perceive them. Yeah, so if they do fair. any marketing that is outside of the, what's a, considered a normal marketing piece, they're concerned that they're not looked like a medical professional and they're looked like a, a business person or something, mm-hmm. you know, and you kind of get, get over that. And it leads me to the next big concept that he taught us, Nick, was.
1: I, I, just on that point, because it applies, I was talking to someone today that was so um, uh, concerned with what their marketing person wanted them to put out versus what they wanted to put out because they, they're like, no, we want this certain image to go. I was just laughing to myself. because like, it's got to be the certain image, It's got to be the certain image. Um, you know, and we often know, and you know, Dan would always say like, everyone's worried about this polished stuff and looking so professional. And you know, until you test it, you don't know because half the time it's going to be the stuff that is ugly and kind of like yeah. just <laughs> to scraped together. That's what's going to work better. But he was always like, why, why is someone caught up in these image? Like it was kind of, it, well, because people
0: are trying to hide behind the veil of yeah, professionalism.
1: I know, but you know what? It allowed us to, or it allowed me to feel like, look, I don't have to kind of put on this show. Like, look, Dan's just like, so he's going to rub some people the wrong way because he's very blunt, right? And some of his jokes can can really kind of like, if you don't have some of his belief system, you might not no, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, appreciate yeah. it. So, but... But it just he is who he is. And I'm like, man, it's just cool. Like you can be who you are, and P, there's gonna be the certain number of people that are gonna like that, and that's all you need. The other people, you don't need to be all things to all people. And uh, yeah, there, that was another lesson
0: in there as well. And that and that's who really, I think it's along the same lines that he taught us that you have to be the chief marketing officer of your business. You can never really outsource that angle because no one is going to be a better marketer of your own business than you. And some people unfortunately hate hearing that. But that's kind of the truth because a lot of people get into business thinking they can outsource everything. I think there has been an era of like I'm going to outsource everything. I oh will. yeah. But you know, and I think Tim Ferriss, We're big fans of Tim Ferr- Ferris, but the the four hour work week. I think a lot of people misunderstood that book that you can just outsource your own business building. Whereas Tim Ferris had a business that he then put some rules, just like Dan Kennedy put in place on like, how he's going to handle communications with his employees and how he's gonna handle refunds. And he put in processes to only work four hours a week, but to build the business is never gonna happen fully outsourced at four hours a week. So, um, but this whole idea that you have to become the chief marketing officer um, is really important because A lot of people try to outsource that, and in fact, it can be your competitive advantage. Like If you study the concepts that Dan teaches and apply them to your business, you have a great competitive advantage in whatever industry you're in because no one else is studying this stuff, and everyone else wants to hire an ad agency or media company to outsource this stuff, but if you can quarterback your own marketing, you have a massively competitive advantage in the market. So he's the one that really drilled that into our brains that you always have to be the chief marketing officer. Yeah, I think it was
1: like you don't have to be the doer of your business the marketer of your business so to have a real successful business and the way he explained it was like if you were a plumber you you know you can't be the you can't be the plum you're not doing the plumbing now if you just love plumbing and you want to do plumbing that's great but otherwise you don't have a plumbing business you've given yourself a plumbing job right if you want a plumbing business you have to be the marketer and the sales of that business so that you can feed business to other plumbers and then you then you have a a business that that was the difference right totally and um and yeah 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 so yeah i agree with that
0: he also, it got me very comfortable in increasing prices in any business. Because I used to always be like very conscious of, like very kind of scared of like, oh my gosh, we can't raise prices. Oh God, again. yeah. And I think he got us comfortable in, in, in to the he point. He told everyone to raise. I, yeah, he basically, we, I think at one conference he just yelled at everyone and said, go home, everybody raise their prices 20% and then come back and tell me how it goes. When we
1: when, And then every time that we wanted to use, like medical a company and they were like a, someone that, you know, had followed Kennedy's stuff, I'm like, oh shit, their prices are going to be so high, I'm not going to want to yeah. use them, <laughs> you know? It's because I knew that they were gonna pre- premium priced for something for sure.
0: Yeah, but that, that was important to me in my, just in my life because I had this fear of like asking for money maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and he really drilled that out of my head. I love that whole story. I don't know if Dan shared it with us first, but you know the story of the plumber who comes to the house and uh yeah. comes into the house, knocks on a pipe for one second, solves the plumbing issue, leaves, takes all of but less than a whole minute for the whole experience. The homeowner is presented with this big bill, and the uh, you know, the homeowner is like, oh my gosh, like wow, I'm not gonna pay you whatever, a thousand dollars. You came in here for a minute worth of work. And the response to the plumber is, hey, you're not pairing, you're you're not spending a thousand dollars for that minute worth of work. You're spending a thousand dollars for the 10 years of experience that I have that allowed me to do that work in one minute right and that kind of just that thinking got me more comfortable in even some of the real estate stuff that we do because real estate commissions in the real estate industry let's face it they're always attacked and they yeah. come up but for the amount of experience on some of the stuff that we're bringing to the table I feel comfortable in earning a commission in the brokerage business that we run because of all the experience and value as a group and as a team that we're bringing to the table whereas before I would have felt very defensive about that mm-hmm. right so he really helped kind of clarify that thinking with me and it wasn't just from Dan I think
1: something else else that we really benefited from was kind of being around dan and being part of like we were part of a couple of his mastermind groups and things like that it was also the people i think that um we were fortunate because he tracked uh, i guess at those levels because they were pricey uh, a certain kind of quality of of maybe entrepreneur or something someone that was really yeah you know to spend that type of money you kind of had to be up to stuff you had to be there had to be an earning uh, you have to be earning money as well in your business and he had limits and things like that but you um uh so it was the other people that we met you know totally. through you know so there was that value as well of of kind of just some of the, those have the, been lifelong relationships yeah within that network the network that we built through him has been quite uh, quite valuable as well. So there's even lessons from that beyond just what we've learned directly th- from I Dan. I think some
0: of the discussions that we've had in the hallways and at lunch at some of Dan's conferences with these types of people really kind of changed oh God, our entire life. Yeah. I mean, it, Jim Rohn, who was Tony Robbins' mentor, who passed away? If you have never heard of Jim Jim Rohn, he was a motivational motivational speaker kind of guy. I actually have a book of quotes right here on my desk that I love by him, The Treasury of Quotes by Jim Rohn. I started and getting
1: those quotes again. I swear I unsubscribed from that email list, and I must have just opted in again. Someone or didn't just started spamming and they just started sending them to me again. I'm like, I just just the other day, and like they're going to my inbox. I'm like, how did this happen? So, but
0: yeah, they were Jim good. Rohn. Some of Jim Rohn's quotes. So that one, I it, I forgot. I'm paraphrasing that. Like, rich people have libraries, poor people have big TVs. Big big libraries, something about big libraries and big TV, or and the my one of my favorites. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time around. I mean, these kinds of things just huge. in the
1: early email days. I used to get an email a day from Jim Rohn with 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 a quote like that. They were awesome. I went through. I think they were. I think there were like two years with the quotes, and then they finally just started repeating.
0: Yeah, yeah, they were so good, and that's why I have have the book. I I mean, I just love the his stuff, and uh, when. when dan shared sorry when that quote was shared dan kennedy's conferences and events brought those types of people together because when we would hang out with people like rob minton and some of these guys we would hear ideas in the hallway or at lunch that we would take back into our own business that mm-hmm. could change our business. So it was stuff that wasn't even coming from Dan. So just to your point, just the people that were there and they attracted the ideas that they shared like in passing as like a throwaway, nothing idea would blow our mind. Remember how many yeah, times... We, you hadn't thought about yeah, it. Yeah. We were like, oh my gosh, we can do that in our business. And they ran a totally different business. They might be a dentist or a lawyer or a chiropractor and they would try something. It would make us think, oh my gosh, we can do that. Yeah, totally. Blew our mind. kind of almost gave us permission to try something new too yep. when you heard someone else would do it. Um, another thing. That Dan uh, discussed was always focus on some aspect of your business on selling to the affluent. He had this big idea which we see playing off in Canada that the middle class eventually is going to be destroyed in America. We believe that's happening in Canada. A lot of that is just because of asset prices and home prices and that kind of stuff. So he was a big proponent of if you don't have some aspect of your business selling to the affluent, over time you're likely gonna have a harder and harder time making money. So I just wanna share that principle just because it's something that's always kind of in the back of our minds that you were aware of, that you never want to be sell, you basically never wanna be the cheapest option because you're then a commodity. You always wanna raise yourself above or change the way your business is structured so that no one can make an apples to apples comparison of your business to their business. Because then you're reduced to price as the only differentiator and that will drive down price and make your business a commodity driven price based business and you don't want that. You always want to structure your business so that no one can compare you to someone else directly. That's been in our minds since day one and it's something we're very aware of and you always want some aspect of your business selling to the affluent, right? So just I'm just throwing that out there as kind of like a a tip of the hat to Dan and something that really has made kind of a lot of a lot of sense. And something else that he's kind of shared, um, and Nick, I guess this will be one of the last ones that, that I share is that um, the power of using your own story in your business. I think before hearing it from Dan, I didn't fully understand that, like to your point, how you could just be real. You know how you were saying you could just be real, like you, Nick could just be Nick. And I didn't understand that not only is does, does um, pure honesty of being who you are work in business, but we all remember things better through stories. And it's why Disney paid so much money for Marvel because they just wanted all those beautiful stories that Marvel Comics had so they could turn into movies and kind of reap the rewards of that kind of stuff. The power of your own story really should be told repeatedly in business. And if you think of some of the biggest biggest businesses in the world, it's always the personalities that's really driving the business. It's Elon Musk with Tesla. It's Richard Branson with Virgin. In, when I worked at Oracle, it was definitely Larry Ellison. Microsoft was Bill Gates. So anyone who tells you that you can't share share your story and that you always have to hide behind a brand or a cute kind of slogan, you're missing one of the most powerful things that you can use in developing your own business. And that's your own personal story. Whether you're being a salesperson in the business or you have your own business, there is power in your story. And I really have to thank Dan for kind of teaching me that.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many, what about the customer um, entering the conversation going on with, in the mind of the customer? That yeah, was always that was a big a huge one. one, right? So when you're marketing, hey, you, you, you try way? to always, you, you always try to you don't tell them what what you want to say. You tell them something that they're thinking about. So if they, you know, instead of talking, if you mentioned uh, we're talking dentists or chiropractors or something. So if we're talking about chiropractors, you don't tell them about how you're a great chiropractor. You tell you start talking to them about their back pain. Right, because that's that's what they're thinking about as they're sitting in the car or they're sitting at the kitchen table reading the newspaper or looking at the computer, whatever it is, and they're sitting there in pain on the back. That's what's going to capture their attention. It's not going to be that you're a great chiropractor because no one cares about that. They care about what you can do for them. So it's always was always that that always kind of stood out. So whenever we're doing something like that, we're always trying to think like what people are thinking about that we can kind of like add to that conversation and maybe educate them in some way or give them some some points of value that can help with with what they're thinking about or the topics that they're kind of contemplating in their own heads.
0: I remember, now that you're saying that, I remember when Dan was explaining that the reason you want to enter the conversation going on in the mind of your customer is because it's much easier to get someone to raise their hands and identify themselves in little steps. So if you can offer some little piece of value that's answering a problem that they have, maybe they'll give you their email address. Maybe they'll give you their phone number. Maybe they'll give you their mailing address. But, it, but that little exchange, you having the answer to a problem that they have can be the start of a relationship that may end up them becoming a customer. And that whole concept was from Dan as well. It was like this idea that like, oh, you don't have to like sell somebody on the spot to be a customer of yours like that minute i can start just how you're saying you know you make a sale to earn a customer because like the lifelong relationship is valuable that also applies to before the sale that you can start the conversation with somebody and work with them continuing to offer value over maybe a period of weeks and months and years even before they even become a customer of yours and that's something that we've done or we try to do on an ongoing basis, like ha- having people take little baby steps towards getting to know us totally. and working that relationship. Hmm, there's
1: leapfrogging versus la- ladders climbing. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah, a lot yeah. of people are just like, you know, they're stuck in climbing the rungs of the ladder one by one. He's like, why wow, there's no rules to having to climb the rungs of the ladder one by one. You just figure a way to skip a couple steps, Yeah, you know, make jumps, right? He there are so the, many little he, things. And he also,
0: uh, he, he, I remember one time, I think we were kind of complaining maybe in a mastermind group of like, you know, well, in our industry, people are appointed certain designations and something. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's a bunch of bullshit. How about this? I appoint you the expert in this right now. And he waved his like magical wand to pretend he was being <laughs> some wizard and said, you're now the expert in this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like why are we chasing some association who was created of oh, nothing yeah. to give us the expert status that we were kind of chasing to to make us feel like we deserved to be able to call ourselves experts when we just know based on the experience that we have that and and the fact that we have everybody's back that we are truly experts in this kind of stuff that whole idea really came oh, from yeah. and that's and, why
1: the, there's like awards and all these different things There's associations that like run awards and they try to get you so they can go to the banquet and buy these tables at the banquet and stuff like that and I don't know, maybe we're antisocial or something, but I'm like, well, why are we going to do this? Like, well, I don't, then we I don't br- care We later realized
0: that a lot of these associations were just for-profit businesses yeah. in themselves. They, the whole idea of handing out these rewards was to get people to buy tables and yeah. make a profit.
1: We have some, some uh, like we have some things, some awards, uh, they're like, on. we don't put them out, they're like in, stacked on top of each other, maybe they're broken or something on, on, on <laughs> the my shelves in my office, I'm like, <laughs> Who cares about their awards? I don't yeah, yeah. care about their awards. I think
0: one award, I won't mention the name of the award that we won. Uh, we didn't want to pay for the, because I guess that's how they make money. They like offer you to buy the, the plaque or the piece of glass that says, so we just got something made that said we won that award oh, yeah. for like less than half the price. And we put yeah. that out. But, uh, I find,
1: you know what, uh, that whole process when I was looking into some of that stuff, I one thing I was surprised about was... Um, I, I'm sure someone's going to kind of you correct me and say how wrong I am and how this is a terrible thing. But whatever. Here's what I thought is that the Better Business Bureau is basically there's not much to it. It's basically just a membership that you join. Like when I call them the first time, to, I'm like, oh, maybe we should be part of this. It was a big sales pitch. Yeah, you're
0: basically pissing off some people right now. Yeah, like
1: but them. it was a, it was a big sales I remember, sales it, yeah, yeah. It was a sales pitch. The guy's just selling me on why, you know, what here's yeah, they here's, didn't the, actually here's the even member care fees, about and here's a discount and here's the deadline for the discount. Yeah, they didn't care. And I was like, wow, I'm really surprised. By by the structure of it, and I'm sure. Look, I, I look. I'll plead ignorance on this one. Maybe there is more to it and stuff like that that I don't know. So that that's that's fair as well. But when I went through the process, whatever their process is to join, I was quite surprised that it, it did strike me as just strictly a sales pitch for a um like just some membership. There wasn't any like qualification to it. Whereas I always kind of assume, and, and to their credit, for the positioning that they've gotten to, because I always assumed that there was like a real kind of like some teeth behind it and actually like almost like I guess when I was younger I thought it was like A government organization Type thing right Like I had no idea
0: Yeah I felt like If you were anointed By the yeah. An organization like that That like oh You had made it Or you're safe Yeah or something. but I think You just gotta write a check And you're part of them Well office. and I think Over over the years now Where we've met people Across North America Who run these different Types of associations That do that kind of stuff And you yeah. see behind the That's scenes right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you realize These are just For profit businesses That are doing this Kind of stuff yeah. Then you're, it makes you realize Oh my gosh Like the world Is almost a facade Like you kind of Have to look through it like the world is almost like the matrix
1: but a lot of people want those like
0: designate yeah well they you know
1: because you know some people their email signature they'll have like 14 designations They're like I did this. You, you know so a lot of people feels wa- like it gives that. them authority yeah so to that point you, you know Dan was was very overt about telling people like look you, you don't have you know if you want to do that that's fine well and if it, you don't if have it, and if it helps you in some sure. way we're all for sure, it. Yeah, yeah
0: but there's no need to be doing that if it doesn't really help no, you, you, you just and anoint,
1: anoint yourself
0: yeah, yep. yeah, it's sometimes when I hear people saying that they have to go back to school for two years to learn about something so that they can become the expert in it. And I'm like, don't you already have like 10 years in this direct field already? I think I don't think you need to go back to school for the diploma that's going to tell you you're the expert. You have yeah. 10 years of on the streets experience. You are the expert in your Especially field. Especially
1: in today's world, man. So many of those programs are so outdated. They, they can't keep up with the information fast enough that the the curriculum's outdated. The person with on the streets experience is going to know more than than the person coming out of school, or even if they went back to school,
0: it's not applicable depending yeah. on the field. But it is, so this whole topic does get in touch onto the point of a person's self image, and that a healthy self image is really important in life and in business and I think it's one of Dan's books Nick I forgot about this one about psycho cybernetics where I think it's with Maxwell Maltz is the other co-author Dan bought the rights to it and it just talks about this guy running experiments on people and analyzing how people come up with their own self image of themselves I mean if you're at all struggling with that you might want to check that book out psycho cybernetics it's really good in kind of just breaking that down for you and I think it's a really important part in business having a healthy self image of what you bring to the table and if you're if you find yourself always looking to go back to school or needing those a little designation after your name um you might benefit from that kind mm-hmm. of book right so, yeah
1: if you know what to be fair i mean you know uh, there's the, the, there's a, a company that owns there's no bs in their circle that owns a lot of dan's the rights to dance products and stuff now i'd imagine they, they you know they, they that will continue so you can always google up that and you know get a lot of dan's work past conferences and stuff if this type of stuff interests you from him. Um that a big and that's had the, a big impact on us. Yeah,
0: so. and that is actually the URL Nick. It's no dot com. Adam Witty runs it right now and uh the products and book, like, I think there's probably 15 books on there. A lot of Dan's books you can get on Amazon too. Oh yeah. His so, books.
1: you know what? And that no BS series of books that he wrote, they're like, oh they're gosh. so easy to read and they're I, gold. Again, I like them cause they're direct and to the point, like they're just, here's what I think. And you know, there's some points you might agree with and there's some points you won't, but you know, I, I guess at least in our experience, uh, there's far more that's been correct, accurate, and beneficial than the things that we didn't uh, really get much. Benefit if you're struggling with
0: us. time management at all, pick up the No BS time management for entrepreneurs. There's No BS uh, direct response marketing for non direct response businesses. That's a good one. There's No BS wealth building for entrepreneurs. There's No BS selling to the affluent. So there, pick one, a topic that interests you. But the time management one, I've recommended that one a lot yeah, and gotten good yeah, feedback yeah. on that one kind of. That one like whips you into shape because it kind of yells it you through the pages that book a little bit
1: it's the type of one that you read and when you reread it two years later like shit why did i stop doing some of this stuff or why did i forget like what he what he said right
0: yeah so yeah so i guess we just wanted to record this as a a little tiny minuscule thank you to you know for the impact that dan's had on our lives for the impact that he's had on a lot of the people's lives around us that we now call our own friends and that have become our network and that we still lean on today a bunch of us have been emailing and texting back and forth as we've been hearing about dan's health um so uh you know hopefully you picked up a thing or two from this if you get a chance um NoBSInnerCircle.com is where to go for Dan's uh, products and books and also the events Nick they run a couple of events a year I'm assuming they're going to keep doing this kind of stuff that would be where to check out that kind of stuff and uh, Amazon for any of the No BS series of books by Dan S. Kennedy um, probably easiest place to pick up a book or two and uh, he'll definitely have a lasting impact on me and you Our, I know our families this business well so and yeah, the business
1: owner I mean how many people that have come to like our entrepreneur boot camp that we've shared different things with that have used some of these strategies i I know some that are coming to my head right now in multiple different fields that have implemented some of the things that so through what we've learned and implemented and maybe morphed a little bit for our business or whatever and then we've shared with them at the boot camp and then they've taken and morphed into what's worked for theirs. so it just there is an ongoing thing just you know it's you know we're 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 not reinventing the wheel either we're just taking some of these long-term principles and just kind of you know, making them work. And it's, it's always been very helpful when you see it firsthand, you know, and you see people using them firsthand. So it just takes it from theory to real life practice. And that's kind of nice, uh, nice to see too. So when you, you know, if you're exposed to that type of group or interested in that type of thing, it's uh, it's a good thing to check out.
0: Yeah. So we'll leave it at that. Um, We'll be repeating Dan's name in his memory for many years to come. We're in awe of what he was able to accomplish, astonished by the amount of people that he's been able to influence and forever grateful that we came by this little newsletter that landed in our (laughs) mailbox for years. I'm going
1: to miss it. I'll be honest. I'm going to miss that getting me too. even if the newsletter still might coming come. Specifically, Dan's part. Totally, I'm. I will miss Me that too. even after 50. It, it's amazing because after 15 years of reading, sometimes the exact same lessons Thing, over, over and over, over again yeah, in different yeah.
0: ways. Um, I'm gonna miss getting it. Yeah. So that's it. Good. Thank yeah. you, Dan. Hey, everyone. It's Tom Kradz again. So, um, just really wanted to to thank Dan for everything he's uh, he's done for us over the years and the impact he's had, and uh, hopefully his name. Is mentioned for years and decades to come with you know awe and astonishment on the impact he's had we know so many entrepreneurs that have been directly affected by him in the most positive way so uh yeah we'll uh he'll be with us for many years in our thoughts and in our prayers and uh that's it we'll leave it at that until next time your life your terms